do you go to restaurants in the dead of winter and ask for like warm water or something? Are you that sort of psychopath? The drop back with Sam Lewis, Matt Burns Peak, Joe Costanzo, and Sam Wilson. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Dropback Podcast. I'm Sam Lewis and joined as ever by Matt Burns Peak. How are you doing, mate? And Stan Wilson. Hello, Sam. Are we doing good, fellas? Very mm. good. Yeah, we've actually got surprisingly some NFL news, but unfortunately we have already spoken about it on our live stream last week. If you missed it, catch up as the podcasts are always recorded or tune into the next one, Brit Balling, Thursdays, Facebook, Twitter. You know what, YouTube, everywhere you can find it. Everywhere. But Julio Jones has now publicly stated that he does want to trade. And love it. So it's basically confirming what we were guessing at last week. What we predicted. Does this change yeah. anything of what we said last week, fellas? No. I don't know, but apparently I've, apparently, um, Atlanta would be willing to trade him for a second. So Steve Kime, if you fancy replacing AJ Green already, then... Get Julio Jones in. Imagine if, so, imagine if someone had said last week that they probably weren't going to get a first for him and someone would probably be able to get a second round pick for Julio Jones. Well done, Slew. <laughs> that would have been a really smart person, I think. Well done. I hope you're proud of yourself. That'd now. be the sort of bloke who'd pat himself on the back afterwards for doing that. Oh, I'm absolutely patting myself on the back. And yes, Dan, I am proud of myself. But moving on. So we've got a new article out on the website with Daniel Muller's Dark Horse candidates for the MVPs. I'm not going to tell you who his picks are because you've got to go onto the website, thedropback.com, and read it for yourself. Definitely oh, you titties. A moment of your time. So what we're going to do today is take through the top six NFL MVP candidates. It's top six because there's three tied at 16 and one. And I didn't want to cut one of them off. And I want to hear Matt talk about one of them. Oh, God. So from a nameless betting site, because we're not sponsored by anyone, so (laughs) not giving any shout outs there. The favourite is 11-2, Patrick Mahomes. Um, Stan, do you want to tell me what he would have to do to win the MVP award and why you think he will? I think he just needs to play exactly the same way he played last season, but just hope Aaron Rodgers doesn't play better. I think it's as simple as that. He's consistently been an elite starter in the NFL ever since he came into the league in his second year. He's just flat out dominated. He's probably the best pure passer of the football that we've ever seen. The best off script passer of the football that we maybe have ever seen as well. Like the things this guy can do with the football is just, it's just ridiculous. And the, um, the arsenal of weapons he has around him as well is phenomenal. And let's not forget, he's now got a new improved bolstered up and just completely rejuvenated offensive line, which was perhaps the chief's biggest flaw last season and what held them back from potentially winning a Super Bowl. So with Patrick Mahomes' ridiculous talent, his ridiculous arsenal of weapons and what may be one of the top offensive line groups in the league, what's to stop him? Yeah, you've got to imagine that not running around for his life every passing play is only going to help the guy. Yeah, you'd think so, wouldn't you? You would think so. Matt, you're going to take the opposite view on this one and say what what the potential obstacles he's going to have to face. Yeah, I mean... it, it's difficult because I, I mean echoing it's difficult he's a favorite there is a reason why is that exactly yeah. and echoing what Stan just said in terms of the pure talent level of Patrick Mahomes I think um yeah the, the potential obstacles are if that O-line either takes a while to settle in as because it is a completely new group so there is the you know there's a group that needs to communicate with each other and play with each other very very well 
So if that chemistry is not there or takes a while to get going, then we could see Pat Mahomes on the move again, quite literally scrambling behind the line of scrimmage. Um, or the other option is injuries. And I know it's a bit of a, it's a bit of a cop-out reason because the injuries is, you know, everybody in every team in the NFL could be completely derailed by injuries. But I think if we see, I don't know, Kelsey and Tyreek Hill go down, for example, or some of those O-line stars go down injured, then I think it could be difficult for Mahomes. He has the talent there, but it's about keeping him protected. And as we saw in the Super Bowl, when Pat Mahomes has to run almost 500 yards away from pass rushes in a single game, it's not a recipe for success. No, I fair, agree with that. Not exactly a shot at Mahomes there, because I'm not sure anyone would manage that. Yeah, exactly. He's only human. So, okay, so realistically, it's injuries the only thing you can see him stopping. You don't see maybe a potential challenger in that division as it, with the Chargers rising up and maybe to knock a few wins off them? I, I don't know. I mean, the, the, the Chiefs did at times make things harder than it needs to be for them last season, for sure. And there were times when that offence sort of went through large periods of games where they just sort of drifted through. And then it was like, oh, shit, the game's actually quite close. We need to turn it on and suddenly score like 20 points, which they're more than capable of doing. Um, so I guess it's if that sort of malaise carries on into the next season. And like you said, yeah, that, that division has gotten stronger. But I mean, it's, it's difficult to, to see past if Pat Mahomes plays as he has played over the last three years, then... You know, he is the best quarterback in the league from a from a talent and arm and arm talent point of view. So, yeah, fair enough. And you know what? While we got it, Matt, you got away with it for the first one because I didn't give you a warning. No saying injuries is the reason why someone's going to have to overcome something because it's just, bullshit. That's it. It's an easy cop out, fellas. None it of that. You're, you're both cop-out. better than that. All right. O- oh. Lack of O line chemistry. There you go. I'll <laughs> okay. hang my hat on that. Nice. All right. So let's move on to last year's MVP winner, seven and one, Aaron Rodgers potential Green Bay Packer we'll see what happens there Matt what make what does he need to do to win the MVP uh, I mean he needs to keep throwing ball to Devontae Adams because it feels like every time he does that ends up being a touchdown because of the chemistry that they've got um, I mean I guess sort of really lean into the chip on it chip on your shoulder angle as well like angry Aaron Rodgers plays at some outrageous football he, I mean normal Aaron Rodgers plays some outrageous football but angry Aaron Rodgers with a something to prove sort of vendetta is even more dangerous. Um, so, I mean, yeah, if he plays like he played last season and he can sort of look past all of the drama of this offseason, he is, you know, one of the best passers we've ever seen in the league. And that offense is still, you know, if he ends up staying Green Bay, then he's still got some major weapons there with Devontae Adams, um, you know, Aaron Jones returning as well. If he goes elsewhere to a team which is also stacked, and I think it would have to be a team that's fairly stacked to make that move then he's going to be in a situation to, to succeed. So I think Aaron Rodgers needs to cut out the noise that has radiated around him this offseason, which is easier said than done. And yeah, if he can play with that sort of ruthlessness that he played with last season, then he's going to run someone very, very close. And I don't think that division is particularly strong at the moment as well. It's, it's there for the taking. Yeah, Aaron Rodgers does seem like that type of guy that plays almost better when his back's up against the wall. Remember oh, his yeah. whole relaxed thing from a couple of years ago doesn't really seem to feel the pressure or the outside noise in the same way but Stan what could get to him if it's not for the outside noise we noticed how outstanding the Packers offensive line was last year but we've seen a a few rejigs that are going to have to happen this season so for example Elton Jenkins who was an all pro caliber guard this season he's having having to possibly shift to center because of a loss of that position 
You've got John Runyon, who'd be stepping up and playing as left guard. This would be his first year starting in the NFL. You've got Patrick Lucas as well, a right guard. And Billy Turner, from Denver. he came from Denver at right tackle. So immediately we're looking at a weaker Packers offensive line like on paper. Whether this plays out into reality during the season, we'll have to see. But we last season was an outstanding year for Aaron Rodgers. And I'm not saying that he's not an outstanding player, because I do believe he is. But can he put another season like that out there? Yeah, no personal sign. You're just there for advocating. Exactly. We've all got to do it at I, times. I, I know, it's, it's, <laughs> it's tough. It is tough to do. Tough to pick flaws. But it was an outstanding season. And I, I genuinely don't think he'll replicate it. I think he'll have a great season. And I think he will be elite and be one of the league leaders in passing yards, touchdowns, all of those stats. But in terms of being on the level that he was last year, I'm not sure if he will quite be able to replicate it. Are we also okay. taking it as red that he's going to still be a Green Bay Packer? Well, that was my next question was going to be. So if, if, he go, if he ends up at the Broncos, which is the team that he's most heavily linked with, hypothetically, mm. of course, does that help the, yes, Aaron Rodgers is going to be MVP case, or does it hurt it? I think it helps it, to be I honest. Th- I don't know. I don't, I'm, not ma- I'm not a massive fan of the, the Broncos roster, to be honest with you. That played, wow. out, that played out so well that we've got it this way around. <laughs> Stan, you go first on this one. So... The Denver Broncos, obviously they had a lot of hype going towards them last season after their draft where they picked up quite a few weapons. Obviously you got Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, Tim Patrick, who had a bit of a breakout season last year, and KJ Hamler. But their offensive line, it, for me, is not good enough for a player like Aaron Rodgers, who likes playing out spread formations, who likes playing, well, likes to be able to stand up in the pocket rather than having to scramble around. Like He works well under both situations, but you can't have... You can't have Aaron Rodgers playing an MVP level behind a weak offensive line, which is what the Broncos currently have. You've got to remember as well without Juwan James. Yeah, exactly. We're yet to see a breakout year from Noah Fant as well. I predicted it would happen last year, but there were injury struggles, Drew Locke struggles, and just all sorts of struggles you can imagine for them. So Noah Fant hasn't quite broken out yet. So he's like, I think he will break out, but it'll take some time for him to find his flow during the season. Just... Cortland Sutton, I'm not going to say this will affect him, but injury struggles there as well. Like he, he finished the season injured last year. And we're just yet to see a full season of this offence, and so that's why I'm reluctant to back them at all. Yeah, it feels reminiscent of the Browns a couple of seasons ago where you see a few shiny pieces and then we go, oh, look, they're going to be really fun. And, exactly, that's and exactly And we forget that was. football is built from the inside out. And yeah. It's easy to get distracted by those flashy skill position players sometimes exactly yeah and not, not not to brag i wasn't high on that old browns team that when everyone was um oh browns to the super bowl browns to the super bowl like, i think it was two seasons ago i wasn't on that and i'm not on this broncos hype train and i wasn't last season either like now i'm on the browns hype train but broncos this season <laughs> no all right matt and rogers on the broncos is that still an mvp potential season i think so simply because you know we've seen aaron Rodgers, and it's well documented Green Bay's lack of ability with surrounding him with top-class talent. And we've seen, you know, Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams have a fantastic relationship. And Devontae Adams is one of the top wide receivers in the league, no question. Outside of that, the running back's decent. They've got a lot of sort of middle-tier playmakers, especially the receiver position. No one really stands out, particularly at tight end anymore. Like, his offense that he's managed to do amazing things with isn't that loaded in terms of weapons. So for me, if you put them into the Broncos offense where they have so many weapons and it's it's quite a young 
offense that we didn't really see click fully last season. And I guess it comes down to how much of that you want to put on Drew Locke's shoulders. Personally, I'd put quite a lot of it on Drew Locke's shoulders because I think he had, you know, a, a dress rehearsal as an NFL starter and completely fluffed his lines. Um, so I think you put you put you know Aaron Rodgers in there with the professionalism and the, the experience that he has to galvanize that young offense. I think you could see not only Aaron Rodgers have an MVP caliber season, but also those young stars like Noah Fant start to break out and show consistently why they're so highly rated. I just yeah. can't get over the the offensive line though. Yeah, granted they've got a great running back running game as well. They've got Melvin Gordon, Javante Williams, and Royce Freeman all mm. in the same backfield. I'll but it's just throw the offensive Royce line. Freeman in there, Stan. That's so disingenuous, man. You don't believe he's, that. He's not on those two level. He's a good RB3, okay? <laughs> okay. RB3's good. That's, that's a pretty high level. Okay. But, yeah, this, the, their offensive line is what's going to hold them back. Yeah, yeah I mean, it, again, that was, that was a similar argument that you had for Green Bay being a an issue for him to win the MVP, so can't fault you there. The number three on this nameless list is Josh Allen, 13-1. and one. So, Saw him take a huge step last year right into this conversation. Will he stick around or do you think he'll drop off a bit this year? Stan, let's hear your pro. My pro? Do I have to go pro? I was kind of hoping to go against him. Unfortunately, you're pro because so that's contrary. the way that the bones of Lane dice of Lane. Who are you killing? <laughs> Josh Allen, apparently. But yeah. Let's hear it, Stan. You want to, so you want to hear why I'm for Josh Allen being I MVP? I do. You want to hear it? You've got to be convincing. I've got to be convincing. Well, it's a pretty much the same offense as last year. Not many changes apart from the loss of John Brown. Who didn't really do a whole lot, to be fair to him. Oh no, John Brown. He, he I think he did have quite a good season, John Brown. He did the year before as well. Like He took a little bit of a step back, but he was still a solid starting level wide receiver too. You've got a great offensive line protecting Josh Allen. The offensive coordinator, Brian Dable, managed to stay around, didn't get hired as a head coach, which some thought he would, so you've got consistency there. You've got Emmanuel Sanders joining Cole Beasley in the slot, or perhaps he could play a wide receiver two role, who knows. You've got Aaron Rodgers' boy, Jake Kumaro, sticking around there as well. A little oh tidbit God. for you there. Oh, God. It's good enough for Aaron Rodgers. He's definitely good enough for Josh Allen. Exactly. Wow. I mean, is, is losing John Brown for Emmanuel Sanders, is that a huge blow, really? Well, I think it is. Look, I, I know I've just given you the reasons why he should be four, but that is a big loss for me. I was expecting them to pick up a wide receiver two in the draft, but they didn't. Lucky. Mm. So you can really tell you're ahead there. You got nothing out. Just you just think Josh Allen's going to stay at that sort of level. It's another. It's another year in Dable's system, though. Is that just not going to help him out even more? I think it will help him, but when you look at the running game, unless Matt Breida can become their RB one, <laughs> there's nothing there. That's fair. Matt, so do Stan's job that he's yearning to do and tell us why Josh Allen won't win the MVP. Yeah, I mean, first off, spoiler alert, Matt Breeder does not turn into an RB1. It doesn't happen. <laughs> doesn't work. We've tried it. doesn't happen. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the run game still stinks. four weeks in San Francisco. Yeah, brilliant. Best four weeks of his life. Um, yeah, I mean, that run game still absolutely stinks. I thought I really thought they were going to try and aggressively sort that out in free agency or the draft, and they just didn't bother. So... I don't know what Devin Singletree selling them over there, but they seem to still be buying that hype. Um, yes, I, you know the, the fact that he's, it's another year in the same offense, I think, is a positive in in some ways for Josh Allen, but I think also it's a negative in terms of it's another year of people knowing. You know, people have sussed out the Bills' offense a little bit now, I think, and especially without John Brown, Emmanuel Sanders is nowhere near on the same. I mean, John Brown's not exceptional wide receiver talent, but I think 
he's certainly got the, the pace on Emmanuel Sanders and I think the durability on, on Emmanuel Sanders. So I think you're going to see a lot of defences just doubling Stefan Diggs, um, you know, lots of dime and nickel sets because you don't need to, there's not a bona fide run threat that you need to account for. Uh, we saw a lot of Josh Allen having to do that heavy lifting on the ground and another season of doing that is going to eventually take its toll on him physically, um, you know, vis-a-vis Cam Newton and, and the, the sort of rapid degradation of his game because he was basically the quarterback and the running back for the Panthers and it ruined his body. So if if Josh Allen starts to go down that route, then it, it, inevitably it's, the injuries are going to pile up. You know, touch wood, obviously you never want to see anyone injured, but if, if they keep running their, their offense in that way, I feel that Josh Allen is hurtling towards injury trouble in the future. Well, that's certainly ominous. We've gone from, oh, he probably won't win the MVP to, yeah, he's probably retired now if he keeps having to run. <laughs> yeah, or maybe I'm not trying to be a massive downer on him. Like, he, he was amazing last year, but uh, yeah, I, I worry about how that offense is constructed because of the lack of running game outside of the quarterback. And I think that's always a dangerous way to build your offense. Do you feel as well that he almost got a bit lucky with that he didn't have that many turnovers last year? I think he was sort of near the top of the league of like turnover worthy passes. Yeah, that weren't. I don't know how much weight you guys hold of that, or if it's just like, yeah, I do weight that stat actually. I do place quite a bit of value on that stat. I, I don't know, I it hasn't really got a proper title, has it? Just turnover worthy, <laughs> turnover worthy throws that just where the defense mucked up essentially, or the wide receiver managed to bat the ball down. Yeah, I think that is that is an issue, and you can't you can't consistently expect those throws to be like to get lucky with them. Essentially, eventually, it will find a way of catching up with him. True. It sounds like we're not as a podcast overly high not on Josh Allen just as his MVP no I'm, I'm not season. that sold on it and also like when no. you look at the defences in that conference as well like not even being biased because you know the Dolphins defence was decent last year but inconsistent but also the Patriots defence has gotten always a lot, good yeah always good and gotten some stars back and, and signed well you know the Jets you know Robert Sala probably looking to sort of install that physical ethos like he did with the 49ers. And you, you've got to think they've hired a defensive coordinator as a head coach. Like that is going to be an area of the ball that they're going to concentrate on as well. So potentially facing more difficult defenses regularly is going to be an issue too. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't have a problem with with this team and I wouldn't have a problem with it as much if they'd literally just drafted a running back and drafted a wide receiver too, who isn't yeah. like Gabriel Davis. I mean, to be fair, the point that we were making before the draft, the thing they needed to do was improve their pass rush, and they did go out and do that. But true, you have to question whether that's going to help the offense take the next step, or if it's going to improve the team as a whole. Mm. I mean, one big help could be a um, Matt Hawk, who they got in free agency, new punter. He's a good punter, and all he's a very good punter. But I feel like when you're looking for your punter to regalvanize your offense, then I think you've missed <laughs> a few steps. He's going to help you with field position, I guess. All right, so moving on. Joe, unfortunately, is not here today, but Matt, cheer him up a little bit if he is listening along and tell him why Lamar Jackson, 16-1, and one, is going to win the MVP. <sighs> do I have to? You have to. For <laughs> Joe. All right, I'll do it for Joe because I do love Joe. Um, I mean, we've seen, we've seen what Lamar Jackson can do, and you know, especially when an offense is built towards his strengths. Um you know, he can be electric when you when you give him the space to run. And now that they've got a much more balanced sort of threat level across the whole of the offense with Rashad Bateman, I think was a great pickup that Joe was really happy with making that wide receiver room actually something that you have to account for as opposed to just sort of we'll stick a corner out there because we feel like we have to. Um, 
it means that you can let Lamar Jackson do the the things that make him special, which is running with the ball and you know when the play breaks down, extending it. Um, because you you know you you, you can't leave Rashad Bateman in one on one, or you know you've, you've got to account for those sort of playmakers. And I think as well, just as a roster, that the Ravens have done a really good job, as they seem to do every year, of restocking and you know keeping a, a really strong talent level on both offense and defense. So you know that that roster is in a great place, which obviously makes the quarterback's job a lot easier. I think the Steelers took a step back, notably towards the end of the season, and I wasn't overly impressed with what they did in free agency. The Browns look menacing, but you know you never quite know with the Browns. I feel they they promise a lot and have historically delivered little at times um so i i feel like they could be in a place that the Bengals are going to suck as well because they, they they've made they've got no o-line i could play center for them um so do you know what i mean I, I feel like that division is quite wide open for the for the ravens and lamar to to genuinely challenge for that title um and like I said, it's a, it's a roster that is built properly on all levels of the offense, which means that Lamar will have a lot more opportunity to do what he does best. Yep, fair enough. Stan, rebuttal? My rebuttal is the offensive line obviously much improved at the right guard spot. You've now got Kevin Zeitler coming in from the New York Giants. Phenomenal guard coming in. But you lose Matt Skura. And I'm not saying he's a great centre, but you're now replacing him with Patrick McCarry. You've now replaced your right tackle Orlando Brown Jr., who was an outstanding right tackle with an ageing Alejandro Villanueva. So I'm already seeing problems there. And we've also seen that Lamar Jackson has very much struggled as a passer when he falls behind in games. As a rusher, when the rushing attack is in full swing, outstanding, as is the entire offence. But as soon as they fall behind and they have to start relying on passing the ball, I know they've had added some receivers this off-season, but can we really trust Lamar Jackson to win a game with his arm honestly if joe was here he'd probably try and reach through the screen and punch in the face he probably would but he's not here so I, i'm allowed to say what so i I'll want keep saying it <laughs> I, yeah, I will keep saying it obviously and he comes back yeah. another loss as well mark ingram d- deserved to get cu- deserved to get cut i think but <laughs> is it a loss then <laughs> the rb1 position is not there anymore so you've got jk dobbins and gus edwards who neither of which are rb1s in my eyes they're both RB2, so I think they'll be splitting carries a lot of the time. Whether that affects their ability to get into the game, we'll see and like find their flow. But the the running running back position isn't as strong as it was during Lamar's uh, MVP season. That's fair. That is very fair. Do you not? Do you? Is that a genuine belief there, or is that you just playing devil's advocate? I'm playing devil's advocate. I think <laughs> okay, the Brown, I, th- I think the Ravens could win the Super Bowl this year. I think their roster is phenomenal. Fuck off, Staniel. All right, moving on. Let's go, Stan. One of your favourite additions this off-season, and this is partially why I did the order this way round. You get to argue for why Matt Stafford has a chance of winning the MVP. Whoa. Just to, to preface this, I dislike the Los Angeles Rams, Rams as a team very, very strongly. However, Matt Stafford on the Rams, I love, I love the move for him because I love Matt Stafford as a guy. He's been phenomenal all of his time in Detroit with the Lions, but now he's on an actual functioning football team with an okay offensive line and the shed loads of weapons and a very, very smart head coach slash offensive coordinator in Sean McVay. So you put Matthew Stafford in here, you've got Tyler Higby at tight end, who has proved to be a solid weapon. Cam Akers, obviously, 
had a very, very, very good season down the stretch last year. Opened up a bit cold, was sharing the ball with Darrell Henderson and Malcolm Brown. That's not going to be the case this year. Cam Akers is RB1 and carries that sort of value if you're going to play fantasy football this year as well. Wide receiver room, you've got Cooper Cup, Robert Woods and Van Jefferson in there. Deshaun Jackson has also been picked up as a potential deep threat, which is pretty fun. They picked up Jackson, I did not know that. They did pick up Deshaun Jackson. So they got the, you've got your deep threat in there. You've got a little, few little slot guys in Cooper Cup, Van Jefferson, and you've got one of the most underrated wide receivers in the entire league in Robert Woods. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's, and they picked up one of the best weapons in the draft in Tutu Atwell. Now, is it difficult to hate a team so much but to love so many of their players? Yes, it is difficult, I guess. It is difficult. It's 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 weird. I think it's, it stems from the fact that one of my friends, she's an offense. She's a so not offensive coordinator. I'm just reading the word off the screen. She's a Rams fan, so naturally I've got a bit of a distaste towards the Rams, considering the fact I'm also a Cardinals fan. So it's fun to hate the things your friends love, isn't it? It yeah. is. It is quite fun, especially when they can play against you twice a year and quite frequently beat you. That's well, fair. I'm glad you can make that point, Stan. I know how hard it is for you to be that positive about. So you don't have to be positive about another one for the rest of this little section. So, Sorry, nice job, mate. Off, <laughs> so, so Matt, what, you. if you're going to tear down all of Stan's hopes and joys about Matt Stafford, how would you do it? Uh, I mean, it's I nothing about really... Hopes. It's, it's, it's nothing really against Matt Stafford because, you know, I think I've been and, and a lot of us have been big fans of what Matt Stafford's been able to do in a shit situation in Detroit. Um, my worries is kind of like how this offense is going to function and if the chemistry is going to be there. I feel like Sean McVay, um, you know, we've seen some fantastic things out of Sean McVay and we're sort of at that point now where we need to understand what holds this offense back. Was it Jared Goff and his noodle arm or was it, you know, are there fundamental issues on that offense? Um, I'm, I know Stan's incredibly high on Cam Akers. I'm, I, I'm reserving judgment on that because I don't, Personally, I don't feel I've seen enough of him to know to feel like he is definitely the guy. Um, and I mean, Robert Woods, yes, I think Robert Woods is a fantastic wide receiver. Cooper Cup has injury troubles and struggles to stay healthy for a whole season. Deshaun Jackson, you'll have him for probably a game and a half until his hamstring obliterates itself and he's out for the season. So, I mean, they've got nice pieces on that offense, but a lot of them are very injury prone. I know we, we're not using injuries as an excuse, but I think... You're going to do it anyway. You are. I'm going to do it anyway because I completely disregard the rules. But I feel like with, with the Rams, it is a legitimate point that they're not particularly deep and a lot of their key players have gone down for large periods of time in seasons past. Um, I sort of worry, you know, it's a part of any NFL season and for every team having that strong depth. And I worry with the Rams about the depth that they have. Okay. Yeah, I think that's a legitimate concern, especially the wide receiver position. Like, as soon as Cooper Cup gets Which injured... Will, unfortunately. Like, I like Cooper Cup, but it's yeah, every year. Short, yeah, and Deshaun Watson is Deshaun Watson. Sorry, Deshaun Jackson. You you cannot trust him at all either. So that's why I would agree with you on your concerns. And another concern I'd like to raise as well is that teams have started to key in on the Rams' offense yeah. a bit more because we know how they work. It's lots of wide zone jet sweep combination plays, lots of eye candy. It, but teams have started to clock onto it a little bit more last season compared to the first season where they where they ran it, where they just completely dominated. So you've got to wonder about that and the offensive line. That is also, like, is a bit sorry, just to pick it back up that as well, Stan, that is kind of the problem with when you have teams whose offenses are, it's a very, very set playbook, which doesn't really change much depending on personnel, which is what Sean McVay tries to do. 
after a length of time, teams start to understand the the keys and and start to read it a lot more easily because they know that no matter who it's going to be out there, it's going to be very similar looks. Um, which Do you is why I think that's part of the benefit from bringing Matt Stafford in that you've got a guy that you can trust to read the field a bit better because there were rumours, weren't there, that basically. Goff was ha- having McVay talking his headset all the way through till the headset cut out and wasn't really able to audible past that point. Just having a veteran who is more talented than Goff, does that not give a huge boost to this offense? You can call a lot more stuff. Definitely. I think it yeah. does. Yeah, it means they can add versatility to the offense, whereas perhaps they couldn't in the past. And you've also got a guy who can throw the ball ev- all over the football field. He can spread it out and he's got a much, much higher football IQ than Jared mm. Goff, who plays still like a second or third year player like he just doesn't have the same football knowledge and ability to read a field that Andrew sorry Andrew like Matthew Stafford sorry my brain's all over the place today like Jared Goff's passing yeah but exactly. I mean that that's a fair point to me firstly but then the the counter to that is yes you've got this guy who is able to do more and has that veteran knowledge but Sean McVay's got to let him do it you know at this point we need to understand whether Sean McVay's just a coach that is like I'm going to tell you exactly what you're doing. And this, you know, this is my offense. You're doing the, this play or you're switching to this play. No ifs, no buts. That's how I want to run it. Or if he's going to sort of let, let that responsibility hang a little bit more with the quarterback, which we haven't seen him do yet. Potentially because Jared Goff's shit. Potentially because he's just that sort of coach. Like, this is what we're going to find out. I think the offense does quite rely on the like the play order. Like, I think they, um, they will plan they will script the game a lot more than other yeah. teams maybe would because of the amount of different looks they throw at you out of the same packages. So maybe they script, they play a lot more. So it's more set and there's less freedom yeah. than say a quarterback who runs in a spread offense. So for example, a guy like Patrick Mahomes, when he comes out in like a two by two set, he's going to have all the freedom in the world for diff- different tags, different keys that he can check pre-game and just based on those. Yeah, that's a fair comment. All right, so let's move on to our last MVP candidate. And this is the... This is the actual reason I did it in this order with you two. I hate to keep secrets for you. But Matt, can you tell me why 16-1 and one Tom Brady is going to win the MVP? You're a fucking... Slew, I love you. Piece of shit. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'd love to, mate. Uh, basically, he's got the same offense uh, <laughs> as he did last season. Um, literally the exact same offense, which I, I mean, we've, we've, set, we've spoken it to death, but I don't understand what GM wizardry they did to be able to keep Super Bowl winning starting 22 on both sides of the ball on the same team. It's um, physically paining you to say this. Because it, it is. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, they, they took a while to sort of get going last season, especially early doors. The the Bucks struggled out of the gate. But when they hit that chemistry and that groove and that relationship with between Arians and, and Brady sort of ironed itself out into, into the best and most efficient work relationship they could, we just saw the, the, the Bucks hit a different level. And... You, we know what, what Tom Brady's capable of, especially when he's doubted and counted out, and he proved that. And I think, you know, it, a full season under his belt with that offense, you know, plus the offseason, that chemistry in that group is going to be insane because they've literally played together for what feels like ages. Um, that group is completely bought in with the message you know, on the offense, what, they, what they're trying to do with the ball, and as a roster as well. Like, to be able to get all 22 of those players back, I think is testament to the sort of camaraderie and the locker room that they've managed to build there as well, which Brady will be a part of. So I think he's in a great position in terms of he knows what he's dealing with. He's got a stacked offense. 
Um, he's got a lot of say over what happens with the, the Bucks' offense as well. Like, if it gets half like some way through the season before the trade deadline and you know something's not working, Brady has the freedom to be able to work with Arians to correct it. And he's got one of the best offensive minds we've ever seen as his head coach. So yeah, loads of loads and loads of reasons why Tom Brady is gonna excel again this season. Um which puts him in the MVP conversation, which really well, hurts. Well done. <laughs> All right, Stan, let's hear your battle. Cheer Matt up a little bit. That was fucking horrible. So- my argument here doesn't centre around how the Bucks are going to be a bad team this year or how the Bucks are going to take a step back. It's going to centre around the fact that Tom Brady himself will not win the MVP award. Yes. Now, that's not to say he's not going to have an incredibly successful season. But the way the Buccaneers' offence work, works with Tom Brady, just I don't think it allows him to be MVP, especially considering the fact that he plays is very much still a dink and dunk QB. Sure, he takes mm-hmm. more deep shots than he ever has, but he still won't take nearly as many deep shots as a guy like, say, Josh Allen, Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes. And it's very much a statistic award. So that's one Barrett's immediately in his way. And then you've got the fact that Ronald Jones and Len Fournette are in their backfield, and we know how much Bruce Arian loves his duo plays. He'll call that every single first down if he could. Which he mm. does. Especially behind, exactly, yeah, behind the strength of that O-line. Why wouldn't you? That that that's my argument yeah. for Tom Brady not winning MVP. I, I genuinely don't think he will win MVP or really come too close. To be honest with you, but yeah. I do think the box will still be an elite team. Fair enough. It's hard to make that argument that he will when like you've got the Dink and Dunks, which has won him MVPs in the past. But then you've got Mahomes and Rogers, Josh Allen that that are doing exactly. highlight plays every single week, and it's easier yeah. to put a little film package together. The, that's where the argument, going. Exactly. The other argument probably against Brady is the fact that how dominant their Bucks defense was, is that it was that almost a strength of the team down the stretch. So it was almost when they came together after that week 13 by that they basically, they were the ones that shut down the chiefs in the Super Bowl. Yes. Brady yeah. and the offense didn't play badly, but that Bucks defense was lights out through the, throughout the entire playoffs. And that basically what won the Super Bowl, not Brady, not that Brady lost them it, but they were somewhat carried by that defense. Hundred mm. percent. I felt that was no you've you said your point now Matt you could be so I, you, I can jump off that yeah maybe not carry as much but that was I think the strength of the team it deeper the players yes yeah. I think it was, yeah. it was complimentary football they both played for each other they both played well and just because the defense is playing as well as the offense doesn't mean they're better I, I think they both they both played their role in this as a winning football team has mm. I think it's a fair point though like the Bucks are you know, I've got a good offense and they've got a very good defense as well. Like they are a well-balanced team. They are well-coached. It doesn't need the quarterback to do hero ball to be able to win the games because they can win it on defense. They can win it with just, you know, using their matchups on offense, right? So it doesn't really need Brady to be making those highlight real plays, which as Slew said, that's kind of starting to be the MVP, you know, package is the big plays, the, you know, the wow moments and, that's never really been Brady's scene. Brady does the dink and dunks. He's super accurate. He's super efficient with the offense, but he's not really the type that's going to wow you in terms of like, I can't believe the the play I've just watched Brady make. Um, So he doesn't really lend himself in that sense, especially at this stage of his career to being a MVP candidate. Yeah. All right. So if the team, if it isn't just going to be one of those six, which everyone basically has the number one seed in either division and has some highlight plays, who would be a dark horse candidate for winning this award? 
Matt, you want to kick us off to cheer you up after some pro pro Brady talk? Yeah, I mean, please this... don't say Toa. Please don't say Toa. I'm not going to say Toa. It would be good man. It would be fun to nibs you all with a bit of a Toa a Toa tirade, but I'm not going to do it. Um, I mean, I kind of I'd quite like to see Kyler Murray, to be honest, put on uh, hey. deliver on the sort of promise that that we've seen from him. Um, because I think he can be a really special player, Kyler Murray. I think that the issues last season were with play calling and that offense trying to figure itself out, really. Um, I'm still not sold on Cliff Kingsbury, I've got to admit that. But I think that offense has the tools and Kyler Murray has the talent to be able to put in a potential MVP dark horse season. Fair enough. Um, Stan, was that yours or did you have a non-biased one to go with? He's going to say two of the did a deal. Oh, oh. I want to. <laughs> I just want to stick with the Cardinals here because I do quite oh, like that, but then I, but then I do oppose it at the same time. I'm not a massive fan of our offensive line. Still, it's it it's been almost masked by the fact that Kyler Murray is so good outside of the pocket and escaping the pocket. It's been masked by that somewhat, but in reality, it looks weak. And still down the middle, like Brian Winters and Justin Pugh. Are they really going to hold up at guard? Like, obviously, you've got Rodney Hudson now from the Las Vegas Raiders, which is a great pickup. He's good. Exactly, yeah. But the offensive line still slightly worries me at the guard position. And then wide receiver, too. You've got DeAndre Hopkins, which is absolutely fantastic. But we've now got an aging AJ Green as our number two wide receiver, a Christian Kirk who has failed to break out, Andy Isabella who has failed to break out, and Rondale Moore, Rondale Moore who is a rookie. And then if we look at the running back position as well, our number one is either going to be Chase Edmonds or James Connor. Like, you don't have Kenyon Drake anymore? Nope, Kenyon Drake, we didn't re-sign him. You're stupid, mate. Kenyon Drake's sick. No, Kenyon Drake was rubbish last year. That, like, Chase Edmonds was better than him. Won't he was rubbish. Blasphemy. Uh, Matt, he was rubbish, I promise you. All right, so after picking apart the Cardinals' offense, who who is going to win the MVP from Dark Horse perspective? If you're going to put a cheeky bet on someone that's like, you know what, that's worth the return. Who would you advise to put a bet on? Baker Mayfield. The drop does not condone betting of any sort if you cannot afford it. <laughs> when the fun stops, stop. When the fun exactly. stops, stop. But no, Baker Mayfield for me, like, without a shadow of a doubt, I think he's probably the most slept on player coming into this season purely because they got knocked out early-ish by the, um, by the Chiefs in the playoffs. Just look at the look at the wide receiver core to start with. You've got Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham Jr., like that that just says enough. You've got Donovan Peoples-Jones as well there, who had a, had a sneaky good year last season. Mm. He struggled with the fact he was thrust into the limelight maybe a bit prematurely because of the injury issues. We've got Rashad Higgins as well. You've got maybe one of the fastest wide receivers in the draft, Anthony Schwartz, coming in there. Mm. And, of course, what is probably the greatest O-line in the whole of football. You've got Jedrick Wills, Joel Batonio, JC Tretter, Wyatt Teller and Jack Conklin. That could be the AFC Pro Bowl offensive line right there, and no one would question it. That's fair. That and you look true. at the tight end room as well. You've got Austin Hooper, Harrison Bryant, and David Njoku. Again, an incredibly talented tight end room. Maybe underused? We'll see. Next season, things could change. And then if you look at the running back position, this is probably without a doubt. In fact, not. I can't, use, I can't say probably without a doubt because that's oh. just contradictory. Correct. I'm going to say without a doubt, the best running back room in the, in the league in Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. It's a good one too. This, this for me is is a complete no brainer. I, I wouldn't bat an eyelid if Baker Mayfield came out and had an MVP caliber season last year, 
last year, next year. Last year, year, yeah. I wouldn't have been surprised if we'd already done it already. But <laughs> and they've got a coach now. They've got an actual bona fide NFL coach who knows what he's fucking doing. It's not Hugh Jackson. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, my dark horse is someone that was finally this offseason decided that is a franchise quarterback, and that's Dak Prescott. Oh, okay. That's going to hurt. Like that's that. going to sting if that happens, isn't it, big boy? It's going to sting a lot. But I mean, I've come around to the fact that Dak Prescott, I think, is in a top is a top five quarterback now in the league. Yeah, wow. Like, he doesn't actually have any weaknesses. Like he's so like people think he's sort of just solid, but I think he's a better quarterback than people a lot of people give him credit for. Yes. If he was a first round pick, I think he would have already been in the MVP conversation by now. The, hmm. thing, the only thing holding him back is the fact that I don't think that their Cowboys are going to be good enough that if we go with the standard, oh, you're the best team, your quarterback's been pretty good this year, have an MVP trophy, then he's probably not going to be likely. Yeah. see through nine touchdowns in four games um, last year before getting injured, averaged over about 350 yards in those games. And he's going to put up huge numbers this year because not only does he have incredible weapons around him, but he's also got a defense that's probably going to make him have to put up a load of yards. Exactly. Yeah, that's very true. So it's always like he's going to be at the point where he's just going to be throwing it all over the shop. CeeDee Lamb's going to have another year in that offense and another year in the league. I think Dak Prescott, if people aren't sure about the Cowboys paying him all the money now, by the end of the year, there's going to be absolutely no question about it. I can't wait Fair. to watch the Cowboys this year. I'm quite annoyed that I didn't pick the Cowboys and Dak Prescott for my MVP pick, to be honest with you. Yeah. When you look at that team... The wide receiver core, again, absolutely sensation. You've got Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, C.D. Lamb, absolutely outstanding trio there. The offensive line, whilst it, it has taken a bit of a step back, you've got players returning to injury, you've got more healthy players, you've got Tyler Beardaz in his second year in the league now, so he's looking to be a bit more experienced. And then, of course, you've got Zeke Elliott and Tony Pollard. Mm. Now, yeah. Zeke Elliott, like, sure, he took a bit of a step back, but Tony Pollard, I think he will get maybe 40% of the snaps this year at running back, maybe even higher if he continues to play the way he did last year. Yeah, Tony uh-huh. Pollard was great. And I think the issue with Zeke as well, that he's become a bit of a joke to the point that people don't think he's any good anymore. I don't yeah. think that's the case. Uh, I think he's still yeah. a serviceable, definitely a serviceable running back. So that one-two punch, it's not exactly a naff backfield. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, I, my, I would caveat that with the fact that they do still have Sleepy Mick McCarthy as the head coach. Um, and also... I, like I said, it's probably because I'm slight. I, I find the Zeke Elliott gimmick quite annoying now because I feel like it's been sort of killed. Um, I'm not convinced he's that great. Uh, he's de- he definitely doesn't feel as dominant as he did in the first couple of years. Yeah, it's not point. as much of a big play threat than he seems to used to be, is it? Yeah, exactly. He seems to be like a more in that sort of James Connor mold. I mean, he's a lot better. He's light years ahead of James Connor. I'm not saying that he's James Connor, but like he seems to have. I don't feel like Zeke Elliott is going to take it 70 yards to the house at any point, which I do feel with quite a few other starting running backs in the league that they've got that potential. Yeah, that's fair enough. Yeah, I mean, I don't think he will. I'm just saying, like, as a bet goes, that you could do worse than someone. You could do way worse. Like that Prescott. All right, so, I mean, it's been mentioned a couple of times already, and I think I can't remember the last MVP that wasn't a quarterback. Does anyone remember that off the top of their heads? Um... Did, did Adrian Peterson win an MVP? That can't. He did. Was that the last one? That's crazy. He must have been. He must have been. I sure. feel like that would have been the last one. All right. Well, if we're not, let us know. Tweet us or something. I'm we'll sure we'll, we'll, we'll all be really stupid. upset. So if someone is going to buck that trend, who would you put your money on? Um, Stan, for to kick us off? 
Yeah, just first of all, I'd like to confirm, yeah, it was Adrian Peterson. He was the last oh, non-QB MVP. You got a year? Um, I don't have a year. I'm asking, oh, too, okay. much. I'm asking too much of you, man. Who's your, I, who's your pick for this was year? It 2012? I don't know, Derek Henry. I, I, don't, I don't, I can't get behind anyone to really do it. But... Nah, do it with some passion. Derek Henry. Derek Henry, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I was actually going to say Derrick Henry to be first down. So he I had mean, a two thousand yard season, didn't win MVP. Therefore, he will never win it. Yeah, I've got but another one. He is starting to sort of hit his. Um, I feel like Derrick Henry starting to get the the sort of media attention that his play deserves now. So I feel like maybe a whole season of that could see that trend. But because people are sort of getting involved involved with the, you know, he's an absolute monster and he stiff arms people to the ground and that like think that that hype train around Derrick Henry has fully set off. Um. Which could work his favour, but I mean, still, it's a massive outside chance. Yeah, I've gone for a guy who actually thinks a better pure runner than Derek Henry, and that's Nick Chubb. Oh, Chubby Nick. Chubby Nick of the Cleveland Browns. I mean, you do have the issue that he is sharing the backfield with Kareem Hunt, but I think as a runner, mm. Chubb is somewhat entrenched in that number one running role. Hunt sort of more carries the passing downs. And again, yes. yeah, you worry that Mayfield's going to win it if they have a breakout year and probably won't go to Chubb. I mean, if there's an argument for the one for a guy that is most valuable to a team, like that Browns offense is built entirely off that running game and Nick Chubb. Mm. He's such a weapon for them. And I just think we've spoken about the Browns defense as well. If there's a defense that's going to keep them in tight games and allow them to pound out the clock the whole way through the game, like the Titans defense is going to take a step back. Are they going to be able to run the ball that many times to give Derek Henry the numbers he needs? That's very true. So that's why that's why if I was had to pick someone to be Chubb, I mean the only other one I could think, and it's unlikely because he's been so dominant the last few years and he hasn't even had a look in. It's probably Aaron Donald. I mean, if there's going to mm. be someone that he's going to do Never. break some, Never. if he breaks that record, which is possible, when now there's 17 games. I mean, the and thing then is people that use that been, against him. He's been such a monster this year. Um, over the last like what four or five years, people got and, used to it. Well, not only people got used to it, but he hasn't even had a looking at it. So what do they have to do to be able yeah. to even have a shout? So I don't know. Yeah. You just can't sit and not go into a QB for the foreseeable future unless someone has some sort of mental Stupid campaign. Like, like a running back goes 1,500 and 1,500 rushing receiving. That's the only way I can see it going to someone else. In which case, you know, Christian McCaffrey, if we're, if we're in that conversation of if it would take someone to be doing, to be super dominant in both receiving and rushing, yeah, then yeah. Christian McCaffrey, I think, is the only real option. But... Yeah, I think he's the most likely out of all the running backs in the league. It would have to be Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, it's unfortunate though, isn't it? That it's just become that sort of award. No, because it's it's not because if it was best player in the league, then sure, but it's not. It's most valuable player, and so that therefore, by logic, that's always going to be a quarterback. Yeah, I guess so. It does become a little bit a little bit boring after a while. I know, but I would I would personally be out a bit. I'd be up in arms if Aaron Donald won anyone but a quarterback won it because there is no way that anybody but the best quarterback in the league could be the MVP. Yeah, but then does it just how does it just go to the the quarterback with the best record? Like surely it's someone should be the best player that's like dragged an iffy team into the playoffs. Right, how how in a sec? Like let's look at this then. Let's look at the MVPs from the last few years. Would there, are there any that you complain about and say, oh, this player played better? The one that JJ Watt should have won it. Oh come mm. on, JJ. JJ Watt is never going to be an MVP. Was never an MVP candidate. Sure, he was a great player. Because of people like you, Stan. Because of what people. Would you rather, with right? your pro quarterback bias. 
God damn it. You're building, you're building an NFL team. You've got the number one pick in in a draft where all NFL players are in it. You're building like an NFL league from scratch. You've got two players that you're debating picking between JJ Watt and Patrick Mahomes. Regardless of age, who are you picking? It's it's a good argument. You're picking Patrick Mahomes every day of the week. There is no way you're passing up on an elite, an elite talented QB for a pass rusher like JJ Watt. Should it it not just go? Should not just go to the automatic like number one seed quarterback then? Should it be one that's got less talent around him and has dragged people up? It should just be the player who's the most valuable, who would add most value to a team. So, for example. If Patrick Mahomes was put on any other team, he would add more value than any other quarterback could if he won MVP that season. It's just the best quarterback in the league. How you want to define that's up to you, but it's the best QB in the league. I would like to see more. It, it go to more. You know, we've seen good quarterbacks stuck on shit teams who have. You know, I mean, we spoke about Matt Stafford earlier, right? Like Matt Stafford has dragged Detroit into. You know. Well, not, he, like, not dragged, f- when he dragged them to like 11 and 5 into exactly. the playoffs that's what I mean like he's he's never he's, he hasn't we can't drag him to a Super Bowl because he's not super but was human. he ever better than was he better than Aaron Rodgers no in that season I couldn't tell you yeah that's the thing it's a season by season thing and I think there have been times when quarterbacks on shit teams have outperformed quarterbacks you know it's sim- that, simply comparing one quarterback to point, another though it can't be on too shit a team because then you haven't added that much value. If you, not, yeah, you need yeah, to at yeah. least make the playoffs because I'll be like, yeah, you haven't added the value without. It's that. not even about that. It's about it's a it's a statistic award because that's how that's the only way you can gauge it objectively. Give it to the guy that throws the most tutties. Make it rain. Yeah, but exactly. If you could do that, then you, then what's the point of having the award? You just may as well call it the touchdown passer award. The tutties award. Yeah, yeah, that's true. It's got to be a co- it's got to be a combination. But people add more. Va- you add more value than just throwing touchdowns. It's about elevating the players yeah. around you. Somewhat. It's got exactly. It's got to be a combination of completion percentage, interceptions, touchdowns, passing yards, maybe even rushing yards. So this is literally just make it into a statistical quarterback. Well, that's award. what it is. That's literally what it is. Well, on that um, somewhat depressing note, on the outlook of the sport. I think that's probably the end of today's show. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for listening. Hopefully, um, well, good luck to all the non-QBs out there. Strong right. boys. It feels, it feels weird arguing this point of view for me, but we'll go with it. <laughs> so make sure you check us out on social media, at The Dropback, on Twitter, Instagram, and on Facebook. Our live stream is 7 o'clock every Thursday. Again, find all the details on our socials. Check out articles and more that we've got coming out on thedropback.com. I've been Sam. I've been Matt. And I've been Stan. And until next time, goodbye. The Drop Back with Sam Lewis, Matt Burns-Peak, Joe Costanzo and Stan Wilson. I think they should start doing negative awards.